1: Wow! Well, I'm Caitlin Brodnick. We love scams. We love Sue Smith. We love you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. This is part two of the coverage we have of the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum with Brandon Saloy, and it is so much fun. I had the absolute best time. It was the first time we were in person doing an interview. His cat is there because he is my neighbor in my building. I went downstairs. We shared a mic that, you know, I apologize for any weird mic sounds. And his cat was ever present and talking and chatting with us the entire time. So you, it sounds like a crying baby and it's just a bossy cat. Um, guys, this is such a fun episode. We really just had the best time laugh. I hope you watched. This is a robbery on Netflix because we really just drag it. It's a ridiculous <laughs> documentary. It's fabulous. And basically, this crime is still unsolved, which blows our minds. Because in 15 minutes, Brandon and I obviously have already solved it. Um, I want to say a big shout out to all you guys listening. Thank you so much for writing reviews and rating us on iTunes and Spotify and everything. It means so much to us. It's the way you can show us you love us. And it really, really helps us. Um, I also want to thank our new Patreon patron, Kiko and Kristen. And guys, thank you so much. We thank our Patreon patrons before, but I didn't give you guys a scam. I think Sue and I were just so enthralled and we missed you guys. We just wanted to get to the the work. So I'm going to give you guys the scam to watch out for, and it is a scam of emotional self care. This is really embarrassing, guys, but this week I mailed a bunch of my hair <laughs> to, it's so embarrassing, a company to tell me if I have any food intolerances <laughs> and I'm saying it and Alan, I told Alan, he was like, okay, are they going to keep your, like it, it was embarrassing. I sealed the envelope, double stamped it to make sure it got there and was so embarrassed to him to drop it off in the mailbox when he walked our dog this morning because I don't think anyone should be doing that and I think you know something's a scam once you are embarrassed to tell your partner, spouse or anyone in your life um, that you're partaking in it. I'm like very stressed out right now with my food allergies and so instead of going to see a food doctor and a specialist as I should, I had a Groupon deal, this is so embarrassing and I'm telling you all, please don't do this, I got a Groupon deal for food intolerances um, and. They ask you to send 10 pieces of hair in your own Ziploc bag. They don't even provide a sterile Ziploc bag. They don't even say, wash your hair, make sure it's clean. It's embarrassing. So I just sent that off today. And I say, you guys don't need to do that. I have been scamming myself more than ever. And I don't know if it's because I'm flying solo, if it's because I have mother exhaustion, or if it's because I'm bored and I didn't think this quarantine would keep going. I didn't think like the pandemic would evolve and we'd have new viruses and new stressors that am i just leaning into the joy of getting scammed guys have i turned a corner i don't know um but again thank you guys for being patreon patrons thank you for rating and reviewing us it really helps us and i hope you enjoy this episode okay bye And Do you want to describe it for them? What happens?
2: Well, two uh, two men show up on uh, St. Patrick's Day. The yes. night of St. Patrick's in Day. In Boston. In Boston. <laughs> so, so smart.
1: Which is like the That is per- so smart! It's the
2: perfect crime because the, perfect crime. the museum is nowhere near where like the fanfare happens. And
1: you know all the cops are trickling yes. down. They're like all over every place. The cops are also probably enjoying themselves.
2: I was going to say they're either making sure people don't kill each other or they are drunk themselves. Right.
1: It's their day off. Yeah. And And they are, like, threefold. Like, I'm sure there's, like, about to have a picket line start. Like, I mean, they are ready to go to the most chaotic places. And that's when they decide to steal.
2: Two men show up dressed as Boston police.
1: And they have the Boston police badge. But they're in, like, they kept calling it a hatchback. What kind of car is yeah, it? Yeah,
2: they're in a hatchback, yeah. a, random a random street pedestrian car. Yeah, a yeah.
1: random-ass car two police officers. Now, you would think, like, oh, undercover police. Yes. What are they doing? No, 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 no.
2: Undercover <laughs> police usually are not dressed as police.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in a hatchback. <laughs> I don't know. We're undercover. We're just in a hatchback. Yeah, our yeah. undercover is this shitty car. Don't worry about it. This is our gun. <laughs> yeah, th- I don't think they had guns or anything on them, any of the paraphernalia. I don't think so. No, just the uniform
2: but a very suspicious character named rick abbott is at the at the security desk doing the night shift
1: so they had two security guards i think one called in sick right
2: well yeah there was two assigned for each night
1: for each night one guy did rounds and then left yes and then rick abbott was this like they show pictures of him and it is so creepy they show it so much in the documentary and i was
2: like his face Of his face Mm -hmm.
1: they wrapped his face in duct tape but, like, how you'd wrap, like, an old-timey doggy in a cartoon yeah. who has a toothache. <laughs> yeah. Like, an yeah. like Elmer Fudd toothache, yes, like, absolutely. wrapped around the face. Like
2: absolutely. The
1: perimeter of the face, like a Looney oval. tunes. Yes. And then, like, not on the mouth and kind of not on the eyes. It's so bizarre. And there's pictures of him. And he's looking at the camera. And these are, like, the police pictures and it's so creepy. It yeah, looks like was, he's going that
2: was uh, supposedly the way that they tied him up and brought him down. Yeah, the but
1: he looks very comfortable. Um, and he looks very <laughs> looney tooney and also he's looking at the camera in this like weird smirky thing that creeps so me the fuck out. He looks like he was wrapped up because he likes to eat people and they were like let's cover him.
2: So Rick Abbott buzzes the cops into the building when they say they're cops. Yes. Now, and the way that it works is they buzz you in once and you're in this sort of chamber, yep. and then he has to buzz you in a second time and then you're just in the museum.
1: And you're in the main part.
2: And he buzzes him buzzes them through the second time.
1: Right. And he also what was very interesting is during this right before the cops came in, Rick goes to the side door, opens it up briefly and closes it. And I believe that was like a signal to the cops to be like we're good. The other co- the other guard isn't here. It's free to go. What was so funny is during the documentary, they are like, "Does anybody ever open the side door?" And I, I told you about this Brandon too, and he's like, "Yeah, all the time." And Brandon and I both go for drugs. <laughs>
2: well, because they, a
1: big, huge podcast.
2: They talk about and now I want to say that I also listened to a podcast about this. Great um that Take came out that came out years ago Fine. and i even i have different notes about like what the podcast went into what us. the things that, but um in the podcast they interviewed some other staff what was it called and it was called
1: we'll link it below too it
2: is called don't
1: worry it is called. <laughs> we're going to link it below
2: last scene at last the garden okay, yeah. okay um but another staff member had said oh we've seen um pizza delivery guys show up and I was like, "So drug dealer."
0: Yeah, so drug dealers, <laughs>
1: right? This, and he talked about how he liked Pod, how he was a little bit of a toker, like how, how he, he was, would
2: show up stoned or even oh, drunk. and he was—he was
1: in a bunch of bands, and so he would also talk shit about the museum yes. and say how under-repped it was and under-like protected it yes. was. And so he was very vocal about that to any character who would listen.
2: Absolutely, there are someone has a picture of him. At, like, a party that he threw in the courtyard. I hate him. Sitting in Isabella Seward Gardner's throne. I hate him. I could tar and feather this man. I
1: hate him so much. (laughs) I guess he's in the interview and he has never been caught or never been convicted or anything and I think never charged I think this shady ass character had 100% something to do with it had opened his fucking beak and
2: he even says in a interview that was conducted at an Indian restaurant shortly after the heist yes he like finishes this interview by saying I mean I'm the only person who doesn't really care what happens to the art
1: yeah no this is
2: insane
1: so also, guys, while all this is happening, so we're, we're describing the scene, and then we'll take it to you that once the police officers get in, they said, gentlemen, this is a robbery. They announced that, the hey-o. robbers. Hey yo, Very, very cordial and bizarre. <laughs> they spent, I think it was 83 minutes? Something like that. Something 83 minutes, 75 an, minutes. and un, a, An unthinkable amount of time. A luxurious amount of time to be a thief in a museum. Take a
2: bubble bath, lawyer. Oh it. my Seriously. gosh!
1: Watch a half hour of whose line is it anyway? I don't know. What are they doing? So he's just like. So what do cops like? Short form improv always <laughs> so popular with cops. Oh god. oh god, yeah. So they go in there and they are cutting out. They they cut out the pictures with knives. Some of them they've taken down and meticulously taken apart. Yes, it's sort like, of like a mishmash of how they took the, the art out.
2: It's, yeah, it's so weird that they spent so long in the museum, yet some of the paintings are cut out of frames as if they'd only been there for like 10
1: minutes. Right, like a haphazard, it's like really you would slice weird. it and dice it, but then some the frames were taken off, <laughs> the frames were like, pick, they said that like the staples were the the intense canvases put on the frames. And sometimes there are two canvases per frame because they're painted yes. on top of each other. They would painstakingly pulled out a bunch of nails. Like some so of it was weird, really beautifully and tactfully done. So
2: my favorite thing that the podcast goes into, I don't know who the woman who conducted the podcast was. She's great. Don't know her name, but she's, she's
1: great. great. Link in comments. Um,
2: <laughs> she, uh, a line that she kept repeating over the course of the season of this podcast is someone wanted that goo. So a, there is there is a Chinese what? um vase that is among the thirteen. Works At the of last art thing they taken. grabbed,
1: they they alluded in the in the documentary that it was like a last minute grab. So but you is, think differently. It, it was
2: a grab, but it was also one of those things that had to be meticulously dealt with because it was screwed down underneath the table it was on. <gasps> oh. So they would have had to turn the table over, unscrew it, and then yeah. unscrew it from the table and get it out. So, the no knowing... Was there something in it? No. no oh, because you said goo.
1: It. I was like, is there goo in that vase? No,
2: it's just called a GU goo. Oh, goo. <laughs> um
1: that's the name of it that's the name of it. i thought too. i thought there was goop in it that you wanted so, to smear yes, on when your it face Paltrow. i just was thinking i was like hey, is it a face cream how can i get it i'll do it on the black market egg, thank was, you was thank
2: in, you yeah but it's so funny because like it has nothing to do with any of the other artworks the mm-hmm. other artworks are like from no. rembrandt and yes stuff.
1: All Renaissance but there's paintings.
2: This, there's random not really that valuable not really that beautiful Chinese vase that they decided to like spend time getting
1: I didn't realize that because in the documentary they make it sound like the cops made it sound like and we'll talk about that section like later it was a
2: last minute grab.
1: like a grab but it's you're an saying buy. <laughs> it buy, which I've had many uh dresses of that but um <laughs> so this wasn't it. it was much more tactful so strange
2: but the, the this woman in the podcast the whole time she's like somebody wanted it's like so dramatic.
1: Somebody wanted the goo. Bro, goo. Somebody wanted the goo, and I don't blame them. So they, so this is the mishmash when eventually the scene was turned up. So they leave, and and also cool. during this time, it's been told that one of the robbers goes up and down to check on the creepy ass security guard, as you do, as you do. You know your friends, and then they leave and. I think everyone wakes up in the morning, and then Rick.
2: That is the really horrifying part to me is that this what was the woman who was oh, running the museum at Anne this time? Holly. Anne wakes up. She's it's a Sunday, I think, so I don't think she's even like going Not into rushing. the museum that day. Uh, wakes up. She has people over at her house. She's making breakfast. She has,
1: she, it was St. Patrick's. She's really hungover. She, she, gets, hung
2: she over. gets a call from the museum saying um, there was a robbery. Something. Is very wrong. You need to come in immediately.
1: Can you imagine? I would shit myself. And she did. I mean if if you look in the documentary, she is white as a ghost. She is shaking. I feel so bad for her. So bad for her. Also because it's just you see it like it's she feels so stupid.
2: So and so like you feel like something broken in you,
1: I'm sure. Completely. And like how do you Oh my god, yeah. So I mean, she needed a couple of trips to Venice, is all I'm saying. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. She needed to be carried so on for, a boat. Some restorative, restorative trips Ethiopian trips yeah. and come back. But oh so god. she also so that guy, was it Rick Abbott? Rick Abbott? Was was he under the thing the whole time? Did they find yeah, him there? Was,
2: yeah, they found him there in the morning.
1: Guys, I fucking bet he went up, got a snack, ate a piece of fucking Had a pizza, came back down. <laughs> And then sat there because he was like smiling in the camera. And you know,
2: the other suspicious thing about him is that all of the works of art were taken mostly from one wing. Right. But there's this one painting um, that was taken from the blue room downstairs on a whole other part of the museum. Yeah. And the frame of it was found in the security desk. Right. So you tell me.
1: Right. So, okay. So what...
2: And also, the the motion detectors for the security system say that the only time that someone went in there, into that room, was before the robbers arrived.
1: Yeah. I think he grabbed that. He put it in there. There's also people were saying it could. he was kind of doing like a fuck you to the museum. Like you have all this beautiful stuff and you have zero, like you have this idiot covering right. it. Like he also thought it was so ignorant of them. So mm-hmm. there was like that ego, which is actually a lot of robbers, a lot of thieves. There's a bunch of ego involved in it. Yeah. There's a bunch of like, I am smarter than you. So with a lot of like scams and stuff is that the con artist the criminal is like i am smarter than you idiots and i'm gonna prove it to you right. so there was that little bit of a, a fuck you yes. uh how's your mother <laughs> whatever
2: <laughs> you're really good at that
1: i know i'm really good at that <laughs> I'm, so good. A yeah. great I, I'm so good um of that sort of expression in that and also the security tapes were taken yes
2: yeah well yeah they were taken but like they're still like
1: some sort of it is they get have to. A,
2: they have internal access. To
1: there's it. some because this was the nin,
2: This was the '90s where like the uh, the tape wasn't videotape. It was literal like ticker tape that was printed um, of all of the time no, it, was both.
1: it was it was video. They had video because somebody took the cassette. So yes. so guys, when the crazy thing and this is all that's happened, and it's also so frustrating as you're watching this is that (laughs) it's saint patrick's day everyone is hungover and their mother and they arrive you're very
2: fixed on everyone's mother i really am
1: i love them all as a mother i really love them um they arrive and everyone i think just handled this a little hungover and no disrespect but there was (laughs) there was this element of like I think everyone was shocked. Like, they're used. These cops are used to homicide. These yeah. cops are used to extreme thievery, larceny, uh, like burning buildings, Very and they're bad. like this weird ass fancy museum. I, and also, they kept saying they didn't have the right team. Like, well, yeah,
2: the FBI there in Boston didn't even have an art team, like an art theft yeah, team or like there. a
1: jewelry team. Like, so they kept crazy. asking people that. We're saying, like, we, well, yeah, I'm from, like, Luxembourg, and we're like, there are other places that have had historical pieces right. of art for centuries, have these in place in their internal, you know, defense departments. You're in America. They had, not, and not in Boston, <laughs> not in Boston at that time, honey. Elizabeth, what, uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner gave them so much credit.
2: Elizabeth? <laughs>
1: uh, no, what's her no, name? My... Yeah. <laughs> 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 Isabella Stewart Gardner gave Boston so much credit. Oh, my and God. And they. Yeah couldn't get it together and so then as they were collecting things and looking at things people were in there touching stuff and so you'll see this interview on Netflix and they're like don't touch the fucking evidence
2: well yeah because the the woman who showed up for the morning shift she comes in and someone's already there and like cleaning up he well he's like no that I I think they arrived together and they go inside and there is a crowbar on the floor that they were probably using to pry shit off the walls and this guy just like picks up the crowbar and hands it to the morning shift girl and he's like here and she's like oh i see he wants me to use this to protect myself in case the robbers are still here yeah and then a thought goes through her brain she's like oh my god this is evidence i'm touching this
1: But here was my thought. What if all of the guys were in sworn to secrecy? Because they all were the all guards. People? No, all of the guards. Mm-hmm. I think it was a guard club. Guard club? And clubs. they were like, I'm getting paid from whatever, from whatever of this. I'll give you a couple thousand, a couple mil. Just touch some stuff. All you have to do is go in and touch mm-hmm. stuff. So I actually think because the guards came in and the Isabella Gardner Museum guards, not the police, right touched a lot of stuff the new morning shift people and i think they did that on purpose mm. i do that's my theory that's my theory because i'm like if you're going that far if you're going if you're going to be so creative if you're going to be so like in like th- the other thing too is that who whomever did this was really scoping this museum out for months and months and months right. they knew how it works they knew every single shift they they had the evidence it was clear that they knew where every single thing was in the right. museum they even said a couple times like some mobsters went and scoped it out for themselves mm-hmm. like it, just as
2: patrons, just
1: as patrons <laughs> which is bizarre um and fine you can love art but like whatever had happened who whomever had been the thief behind this in the mastermind had done extensive work because yes. of the way they went through and the organization of that it went through. So that's why and I think also
2: lucky for them it was a rink a dink operation over there. Exactly. <laughs> With just like college students. That's why I think, the why I think yeah. they
1: must have paid off Abbott. They must have yeah. paid off the other morning guards I and mean, been like, hold this. And then also these people are older. They don't want to this is the most unsolved crime. Nobody wants to go to jail now. Right. You know, all these guards are older people. I'm sure they have like lives and families. Some of them
2: dead. A lot of people involved in yeah. this are dead now.
1: Oh all of, the all of the suspects <laughs> of, okay yeah. that's the big crazy that's the... so that's the crazy <laughs> part, the rub, yeah. <laughs> okay so one of my favorite fbi agents is this one guy who's so sweet who's so nice <laughs> and was so smart the and so, god he's he yeah. so great he's such a boston I fbi guy god. well he came in after really they had tampered with all the evidence after the cops had gone through things pushed up they really I think they looked at it as if it was like a homicide. Like they're moving like moving things around like very yeah. gruff. They did not treat it at with delicate fingers in any sense. I don't think they, <laughs> they knew what no they were reference. looking at. No, they yeah, had no they reference. Had no, no, and it said every yeah. their interviews, they're like, I don't know anything about paintings. It's like <laughs> there it's not the guys. Well,
2: my favorite thing in the, the last episode of that podcast is a live episode where a lot yes. of them come back and that guy is one of the guests. I love him. and they go down the whole panel and they each say what their favorite piece of art is of yeah. the thirteen stolen, and what they would most like to see. And they get to him. He's laughing. He goes, "I don't know. Uh, my favorite painting is dogs playing polka. So you tell me. <laughs> this guy has worked on this case for how many decades, and like he, can't, he can't say one he painting now."
1: He can't and doesn't have his favorite. Oh could God. care less, could and that's why less. he's the best. <laughs> because he uh,
2: total objectivity.
1: Up, right. I love yeah. it. And so he went through, and he that was a smart guy. one to say, "Okay, they they stole the um the cassette tapes. I mean the the, videotapes, yeah, the video tapes, but they didn't steal the hard drive of the computer because right. at this point there was still a hard drive where you could still have, like Brandon was saying earlier, that ticker tape of like yes. when lights turned on and lights turned off, yes. the motion sensors. So that was really interesting because it showed them going. In and out, very strategically, and then towards the end, it was kind of erratic itself. Yeah,
2: sort of like just a like random... we're having a time.
1: Yeah, we have so much fucking free and time, let's thing, just like, grab a vase and screw it.
2: These monitors recorded when alarms were going off. So alarms were audibly going off in the could, museum. Could have cared less. And they were just fine with that.
1: Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine the, lo- the, the the relaxation or the drugs you must be on to be like, alarms are going off, I'm fine. If
2: I set off an alarm in my Airbnb... Oh, I have a heart attack.
1: If I set off an alarm (laughs) in a bank, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm like, just take all my money. Like, like, I mean, anywhere I go, it's so scary. TJ Maxx. It really, sets sends my blood. Do you
2: often set off the the sensors I TJ Maxx? I often
1: accidentally steal things. I really do. I put things in the stroller as I'm shopping. Yeah, she blames them on the child. I do. And then I leave and I'm like, oh my God, why did I get this weird sponge? And it was like, whoops. And they're fine. TJ Maxx is fine. Uh, I buy from them all the time. But, um, so yeah, so so alarms going off, everything happening and this brilliant FBI guy was really the first one to say, I think we have to bring on like some special case people. I think we have to bring on people yeah, that baby. handle yeah, that handle art, that handle like forgery. And so by the time they kind of got around to this, the paintings are fucking gone baby. Oh, They're gone, 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 gone,
0: gone. Are you ready to shop?
1: In the documentary, there's been a huge series of mobsters, mob bosses, in and out of prison, down on their life, guys. So many people involved. It's
2: really incredible. It's
1: incredible. My favorite guy was that one guy's sister. So he had just gotten out of prison. He had like shined up himself. Like he was really happy. Everybody said they thought he was doing so much better. He was charismatic. He was lovely. He was sort of a wayward soul. I mean, he was. A new lease on life. Cute as hell, and just like wore a cute jacket. Except
2: when he had that unfortunate bowl cut. Oh
1: okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, ugly ass hair, but like I would do him still. He was still like very hot. To wow. Me. I was like out of prison. Okay. You're a dream <laughs> <seller>. Okay. <laughs> yeah, get All in right. here. He was hot. So, so he goes <laughs> out, and she goes, "Oh yeah, I saw that painting off his bed." Oh, she helped him hang it. She helped him hang it,
2: and she said it got it got this gold frame. And I said, "You got to get a new frame. This is a, get- this is a fufu frame."
1: Yeah, you get yeah frame. like it's, it's like, a <laughs> As it was a little too girly for a him. Pr-
2: hey, in a bachelor's apartment? Are you a, fufu a fufu frame. A
1: full frame? I mean, my God, what will people think? I, I was like, happen. yes. And so that was the only time that somebody has spoken of seeing one of the pieces. And, and it's gone now. That
2: was the Shea Tortoni by Manet. Oh. Um She says, I like to call it the tortellini. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh and my it's, a God. Self,
1: it's a self-portrait, right? No, no, no. It's, it's a man in a cafe. Yeah, it's a
2: man in a cafe. And it's beautiful and she thought that it was a a painting that was of him
1: oh yeah she thought he was like it was a new york city on the boardwalk painting Yeah, she thought like a character
2: for it yeah it's really interesting
1: so i deeply think that he could have been one of those people now he's long gone dead so the the cast of characters who they describe and the shots that they give to the the artist that does all the renderings of who they think right. the, the criminals sketch, were. Yeah, because yeah, sketch, you can find the sketch. The sketch looks like an Italian stereotype and a Polish stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's like, here's an Italian, fat or thin. Here's a Polish stereotype, yeah. fat or yeah. thin. Because mm-hmm. basically they said they think it's a mob guy. It I mean, looks it was,
2: like a guess-who sketch if, it's if we're being It's so organized. embarrassing.
1: It's so bad. Okay. So all of the characters in this, all the cast of characters, all fit those descriptions.
2: We've got Donati. we got Garante. <laughs> We've got Ferrara. <laughs> Uh, Maybe the most fascinating was Miles Connor, who the guy is who was the brilliant, the guy who oh, had yeah. conducted many other art
1: heists. Okay, so guys, they interviewed this. This con man who has gotten out of jail, the reason he's gotten out of jail is that he has stolen so many things that he then uses that as collateral to get him less jail time.
2: This is what I learned through this documentary is that stolen art is very often a negotiating tool to get your buddies or you out of jail.
1: Right. Not even for the art, not even for the money. Yeah. No. And so then the state or the government, whomever it is, can say, Oh, look, it's restored, and they get the big like (laughs) check mark that they restored it back to the moma or whatever mm-hmm. but it really because the criminal doesn't actually care so yep. this guy in the interview is so proud talk about being thinking everyone else is a dumbass <gasps> oh he is God. so proud with how smart he is he was a musician right Yes. he certainly. was like a Mensa yes. candidate he's brilliant and so <laughs> had stolen many pieces of art has done many heists got picked up occasionally but really like was an incredible thief. And so they interviewed him and he's sitting there with this like trailer in the background. And I'm just like, why isn't anybody just breaking open his house? Like nobody, nobody goes in. There's no search, search warrant, but he is giving them all of the talk of, well, this is how we do if I, did it, or something, or this is who I think well, could have done it.
2: They say he physically couldn't have done it because he was in jail at the time of yeah, the Yeah,
1: he, he can heist. train anybody.
2: Yes, exactly. And I think the question of who stole the art is sort of a double question. It's mm-hmm. like, who stole the art and who were they working
1: for? Right. Who was it for? Yeah. Because who who was the henchman that stole it for the big yeah. boss? And so he gives an amazing interview all about other heists that he's been on and and how to do an art heist and how he would do it. And so that was really interesting, too, is that he, in the documentary, he gives a completely different point of view as basically like a convicted criminal. Yes. <laughs> I loved him.
2: Um, and then the, the other time that someone like saw or claimed to have seen one of the pieces was this guy Bill Youngworth. He okay. was a caretaker for Miles Connor. Uh-huh. So when Miles Connor was away in jail, yes. this guy was sort of taking care of his place and he raided that trailer and was trying to like sell some of the stuff that he had in the trailer. So Basically, he was trying to
1: steal from Miles Connor.
2: He lures um this reporter from the Herald out to Red Hook, Brooklyn. <laughs>
1: okay, this was super creepy. So they have a so this has been obviously going on for so long. So that any reporter who picks up or gets a lead is so excited that maybe right. they obviously that they could break this 20-year heist scam. So he comes out and says, um, the the criminal says, I have something for you. So Alan and I are watching this and we're like Who in their right mind, what journalist would get into a car with a convicted criminal, would travel to Red Hook in an abandoned building? Like it was super creepy.
2: And it was like dark. Like he had to use a flashlight to like see. So basically, this guy pulls out a painting in a roll. First of all, very frankly, in a storage
1: container. to like
2: roll up paintings yeah.
1: when, when the they crack. told I know when they told the museum people oh that it was a God. rolled up painting they were more upset about yes, that than anything like right. you can't roll up painting.
2: deeply horrified
1: yeah well it was <laughs> these
2: people um, don't care but that was bas- that was basically turned out to be a hoax and it wasn't it because yes. he, he claimed to have had this storm in the sea of Galilee basically the guy said I need more proof that that's it and he provides a paint chip and they run analysis on the paint chip And that that color paint was not used on the Storm of the Sea of Galilee.
1: So either it was that or he just got, I think it could have actually been it. And he just got some bunk paint chip, you know, to say like, sure, here it is. Like, I don't think they even knew. Well, what was so crazy is that once you understood that like paintings were a form of currency and these like master artists were a form of currency, it did start to make sense that multiple mob bosses and mob families would either be trading, adjusting, interested in this to help each other and help their families out. Because at this time too is when they really cracked down on the mob. Now the FBI got into a bunch of stuff and I think it was Alan said is when they first started what is the thing? Oh shoot, it's called like intent to do intent. What's it called? It's like when you uh oh, intent to tent. Yeah, intent when you when you go tenting. Um no, it was it was this phrase that's gonna <laughs> drive me crazy and it's It started to be convictable if you were about or knowledge of or if you were co-conspirating of a crime. So at that point, that's when they started bugging a ton of mob bosses and they could get a ton of people in jail for conspiracy. Turns out
2: every mob boss boss has... loves to talk uh, an auto shop
1: (laughs) yeah yeah where
2: they make sauce on sunday
1: loves it it's so true it's so true guys this documentary goes through every single person like and this was his auto shop and that was his auto shop (laughs) this was his mom's auto shop and and so they just went through so basically all of these mob bosses got caught similarly in the end of the 80s early 90s and then these it makes sense that these paintings right. would become like a form of currency. So as they go through all of these people throughout the documentary, every single guy is fucking dead now. Yes. Everyone's dead.
2: I mean, what, some of them One die of old out. age, some of them die in prison. No, a
1: lot of them die from hits. Yes.
2: Tons. Their their heads show up in constantly of heads cars. Floating <laughs>
1: all over the place. Just you can't you can't keep them straight. They're just all over. They're rolling down the hills. And like,
2: I love the way that um the documentary shows them dying where it's like their face on the map of Boston and then just
1: an X. You mean the big X on their faces? (laughs) It was so funny. It was like one guy from like all the way down from like the South was some mob guy and they're like, it could not be him. So they didn't look into it. But it's like the the paintings travel. The mob families travel. They say
2: it went from Boston to Maine to Connecticut to Philadelphia.
1: Yes. And there was a big group in Pittsburgh that was dealing with it. And so, of course it is, though, because, of course, if this is a form of currency and helping your guys out, you're going to do whatever it takes. And so it was interesting because the second that the cops got a little bit closer, it was very interesting. The mob, they had to have had, I think they could have had somebody on the inside, like a mob person or, you know, an informant or something. Because not the FBI, I think the mobs had people and friends working on the forces because, any time the FBI said, and we were so close and we thought this guy might do it and we were going to go to his house, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they knew. They Oops. knew when he was coming by. Oopsie. They knew when the FBI was coming by and they would just straight out kill them.
2: Well, and it was really interesting when that guy, I think Bobby Gentile's house, his house was, like, raided by the FBI yes. for, like, hours. Yes. And I loved his little... Like,
1: in the shed, too? They are like, there was a shed.
2: His little asshole lawyer was yeah. like, I don't
1: know what you're going to find.
2: Um... Yeah, his house is totally torn up. And then there's a night where they think he's going to die. He's in jail and they think that he's on his deathbed. He actually didn't die then.
1: Okay. But, another um, time.
2: <laughs> but he, he they think he's like going to not live through the night and the lawyer goes and he's like, "You know, if you tell me where the paintings are, you can die yeah, he's at very home with sick. your wife and yes. here and your children." And, and he just goes, "There ain't no paintings, there ain't no paintings." And I don't know if that's like they're really, I really don't know where they are, or if I do tell you, like they may like just murder my wife or something like that.
1: Oh well, yeah. I mean, it was basically snitches get stitches yeah. to the end. Yes. Like, and he, they were holding over him. Like, we knew he loved his wife. We knew he loved his family. But yeah. that just shows. I mean, any great mob boss would just take it to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> any as any great mob boss knows, <laughs> you don't snitch. jeez what Well, are you're an thinking? insider. I mean, people. of course. I cannot wait to be asked. <laughs> <laughs> be the best part I've never auditioned for you are just for. a lady in <laughs>
2: waiting, waiting yes! for your
1: bottom. I'm like who wants me oh I'll get the perm I'll do whatever it takes I'll get the fake nails always I'm a bridesmaid never a mafia <laughs> <laughs> never a mafia bride no never um yes yeah, so that is what is so ridiculously frustrating about this entire thing I I wish I had an end I wish I had a wrap up
2: that's the thing it's like uh, the documentary doesn't even know how to the, wrap
1: the documentary up. that was the most frustrating part at the end of the documentary they didn't know how to wrap it up and it was just like alan and i were watching it so frustrated because it said here are all these tangents and that's the story and it never <laughs> brought it together i really think that what brought it together was the guards i think it was the group of guards i think there was a bro pact i think why didn't you ask any of the band members of Shitty High, what's his fake Rick, what's his aster? Rick Abbott, Rick Abbott, <laughs> like, he was going to all these parties, talking shit, like, why didn't anybody interview them, also,
2: I wish at this moment I had his band name to throw out, but hate I, them. I don't, I, I hate don't,
1: them. <laughs> I'm sure they were fabulous when you were drunk, but they also, in the documentary, they had these two, this couple that was interviewed that was the real to be interviewed. They're like, we oh, saw the, the cops. the eyewitnesses. The eyewitnesses. How did we
2: forget about the no. eyewitnesses?
1: Well, because no one in the documentary <laughs> or the police force or the FBI gave a shit about the eyewitnesses. I have no regard. The eyewitnesses start the first episode and then you never hear from them again.
2: Literally, three people who they were saw the dying quote to talk. unquote cops.
1: They were dying to talk.
2: And later, when they found out, like, the evidence that was actually entered onto the record. From their statements, there was stuff that they said that did not appear on the record. And there was stuff that they didn't say that did appear on the record.
1: Yes. And also, like, they saw the records and the people, the the eyewitnesses said, saw the notebooks and, and saw what the... A police were writing yeah. down and they're like I never sent yes this. that's so, not true and so
2: that's that's how you know there was something on there's
1: the somebody inside on the inside yeah and, so and that awful. was definitely an informant on the mob side and god bless <laughs> I don't know I I also like the the worst thing so from an artist point of view and from like an art historian point of view it just showed how heartbroken all of these people were that the paintings were destroyed but to me it just showed how out of touch all of these people are oh. i mean if your life is on the line if you have if you're trying to get your husband out of jail you don't give a fuck about some <laughs> old guy's painting like it's so interesting because they kept saying like how could they do this to us how could they do this to us it's not right. about you no this guy's already no dead this artist it. is already dead for the
2: achievement of a no. man who lived hundreds of years ago yes
1: and also like he's done other paintings this not his only painting like that's the thing too is like these people have done like 45 yeah. paintings 30 paintings and so these robbers these mobsters are just like who cares <laughs> this is gonna help me right now like yeah. it's doing nothing sitting in a museum that was the only thing I was like they're so out of touch they don't know that this money could they don't know could have saved somebody's life so it could have saved somebody's kid who was right. ransom like we don't know the full story of what was happening but this shock and awe of these rich people (laughs) that poor or rich people would take something of theirs. They're like, how could it be? And it's like, But literally all art is stolen. How could someone
2: (laughs) dare take the thing? We barely protect it.
1: I know. And that we have stolen from somebody else. Like art doesn't come to a museum for fun. You don't go here, enjoy this. It is because someone's dead. It's because somebody else has been robbed. It's because they've been pillaged. Isabella
2: Stewart Gardner, as much as I love her, was like no angel.
1: No. I mean, (laughs) we love her, but talk about added touch. Oh, yeah. (laughs)
2: She was like, well, America doesn't have culture. I guess I'll just invent it and bring it over here. And she
1: did. And God <laughs> did. bless. But I'm just saying that it is embarrassing how yeah. shocked these rich elitist people are. Yeah. And the people that come in and they were like, well, I, nobody listened to me and I can't believe it. And it was like, oh, also, you think you're the smartest person in the room. That like, that is so crazy. That
2: everyone has universal reverence for and works of art
1: regard when, for their opinion, like yeah. everybody said, everybody had their own idea, their own opinion, just like we do on this podcast of like what, <laughs> <laughs> of like what happened? And you hear them and they are just like flummoxed that they didn't get a second interview, oh, that they didn't have a chance to solve it themselves. Like it's a very bizarre dichotomy of like, you kind of look stupid, <laughs> but also I get it. Out of it, touch
2: is the perfect out word. Touch. They yeah. just don't understand the perspective. And they're
1: still out of touch. I don't, I don't know, maybe, because when you went, did you feel, how, do you, how was the museum now? Because at the time, in this documentary, it did feel that the museum patron, that the museum, like, um, what is it, the board was very out of touch at the time.
2: I mean, I mean, it was like any other museum.
1: But was there sort of like a, a kind of silliness about it that everybody knew it was stolen? Like, because on the website, they now have the... the the oh robbery. well, like, like, is there sort of like a tongue in cheek of like we know this happened, that's why we're famous now?
2: Oh yeah, well it's yeah. very much the, the like I took like the audio tour in every yeah. room, and it very much walks you through what happened. Uh huh. But and it's like very reverent. It's all narrated by the chief curator currently, uh-huh. and she's very very reverent about like um, this whole museum was Isabella's vision, and right now her vision is incomplete, and we mm-hmm. just hope that one day it'll be complete again.
1: Right. Yeah. That's but,
2: that's sort of the ethos yes. of the museum now.
1: Right. And so you want to carry out that dream, but it's it. Yeah. It is interesting cause it because I feel that now the museum sort of has an understanding of it and sort of like knows what's happening. Whereas before the people that were the curators were like, what? Someone stole from me. And it's like, yeah, bitch. And there was a gun to his head. Of course he stole. <laughs> I would too.
2: You had millions of dollars of unprotected artifacts. Just like sort of chilling.
1: Chilling on that wall. Oh my,
2: God. oh my gosh. I know. Well, it's so funny because when the museum first opened, uh, Isabella Stewart Gardner like didn't really know how to go about like having a museum.
1: Oh,
2: um, she basically hired like a bunch of art students from Harvard to sort of be. She loves her students. Yeah, she Uh loves students. But, like, she, people had to basically tell her, like, you need to like, chill out just a little bit. Okay. Because, like, she was still, it was still very much her collection and her baby. And yes, she, would ba- she would basically it. follow her on the tours. Be like, yeah. Don't touch that! <laughs> Do not... <gasps> Please stay on the carpet! Stay on the carpet! Like, she would just, like, (laughs) scream at people. Oh, yeah. And I mean, sort of for good reason, because, like, in the tapestry room, people would, like, come in with little scissors and cut a little thread off the tapestry to take home. Because, again, like, the the reverence for art, like, didn't exist yet.
1: Yeah, and they're still learning it. And also, who cares? I don't know. It's so hard. Like, art is so... That piece of fabric... It is special and it is valuable, but it is just because some people say it is. You know what I mean? Like, there's probably a ton of tapestries in that time and era that weren't saved, but that one was saved and that one was deemed. You don't know?
2: I mean, they're still like beautiful. It's like for me, when I'm standing in front of like a Rembrandt or something, forget it. Or even like one of those tapestries, it's like someone hundreds of years ago spent so much time. Yes making yes. this
1: exquisite
2: of thing that could have just turned to dust. But, of but no, someone cared about it and they preserved it. Right. And now I'm standing here in awe of it.
1: That is true. Like, but I'm That's saying,
2: what museums are for me. Yes.
1: But I'm saying the thief goes, well, why not the other guy? That oh, The yeah. other one, the guy did. Like for them, they don't have that reference. Well, yeah. And They're the, the like...
2: museum's problem is that they like couldn't accept the nihilism of the world.
1: Well, yeah. And the museum thing is that it, it does have to be, you do have to get on the viewer's level in some way. Right. You do have to get down to approachable. And also for them to then appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and also the community to appreciate well, it. Well, that's
2: what I think the museum, that museum in particular, does now. Yes. That like they start where you are and they like want to foster an appreciation. That's of it. what it is. Whereas like when you go, they recommend that you don't try to like see everything in the room and that instead you like, Look around, you see one thing that you gravitate towards, Okay. spend 15, 20 minutes with it, and then move on. Go to the next one. That's great. Yeah.
1: My aunt, who's a, studied, like, museum curating and management and tours, like, she's a master's in something with museums. I'm sorry, I don't know what it's called, but (laughs) she says that, she says, go into the museum, find the one that you, in the room, find the one that you like the most, and then we'll discuss why. Mm. And she's like, I said that with all my new people, anybody who's like intimidated by museums, just right. go in and say, why do I like it so much? Yes. Is it the fiery red paint? Is it how it looks very basic and maybe I could draw it? Or is it, it reminds me of my grandmother's garden. Like find out why you like it. And then it can kind of get your in inside it, which I doesn't sound like the museum at the time, when Isabella started it and during the robbery, it seemed like they were just like, here's awe, here's pomp and circumstance, like right. here's beauty. Yes. Yeah, bitches, you never saw <laughs> before I did that. <you? laughs> <laughs> and it was very like distant from <laughs> the people. <laughs> 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 the cat feels very deeply about this museum. He
2: really does. Well, one thing that's really interesting, my I have an aunt who is a nurse practitioner and she also teaches. And Every year with her students, she does this, um, this workshop at an art museum in Rochester. Okay. Where they basically take a bunch of nursing students to the museum for wow. the day. And they basically spend a day, like, sort of learning how to um, engage and, like, interpret and really analyze a piece of art. Okay. And basically, you come away with it thinking, like... The amount of time and patience that I had for investigating um, my experience with this painting yeah. is how I should approach working with a patient. Wow. Like, I shouldn't just walk up to it and say, like, this is
1: what I think. Yeah,
2: this is what I think. I'm just, like, projecting something yeah. onto this piece or this patient. I should, like, observe this thing about them and ask a question about that. And then maybe I learn something else about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I respond to another element of it. And then I that's sort a of I sort for of, life. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's so thread. interesting.
1: Yes. And you can pull that tapestry out, out of jail <laughs> until you get your son out of jail until you get America out of jail. I love it. I love it. So I think, are we done? Do we feel that we've like solved the case that it was that we've, we've cracked the, <laughs> we've
2: cracked sweet the case. We've cracked the case wide open.
1: We've cracked ourselves yeah. wide open. Mm-hmm. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Brandon, for having me. You. Um, where can people stalk you and fall in love with you? You
2: can find me. I, I'm pretty sure. I have to check. I'm pretty sure. Just at Brandon Zelay on Instagram.
1: Okay, amazing. And yeah. we're gonna put that in the notes. He's. The most luxurious Instagram I've ever seen. It's very well curated, see lots like the museum.
2: Of of the cat that you've heard tonight. Oh,
1: this cat is so you present.
2: Can, you can put a face to the little. You trucks.
1: really can, and you need to. Um, thank you so much, guys. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to our Patreon patrons. We will be back next week, and I'm so glad to be back. I missed you scammers so deeply. I'll see you next week. Bye!
2: Stay scamming, Bestie. <laughs>